Amen. I was praying before during worship for the Lord to just have his way to give encouragement, especially because I want his words to be the only thing that comes from my mouth. And if, if you ever see me praying up here during worship, that's probably what I'm praying. Because today is a tough message. We're in Colossians. You can turn to Colossians chapter 3. But today is a tough message. This is really the, the center point or the crux of what Paul's getting to in this letter to the church of Colossae. And we've gone through the first two chapters of this letter where he explained the, the trials and the difficulties of falling into patterns of religion, falling into patterns of believing something that sounds right but isn't, falling into patterns of, of ritual, if you will. And I don't know about you, but... The, lo- the longer I am in this pursuit of, of closeness with the Lord, of intimacy with the Lord, I realize that rituals, or I don't want to say habits because habits can be good, but, but it's almost this, this doing something for the sake of the habit in a relationship with Christ becomes religious in its feel. It literally takes the whole meaning out of it. See, we talked about last week, it's not about reading your Bible. It's about connecting to the Word of God. right? It's about understanding that, that His Word is God-breathed. It isn't just a bunch of words on a page, but it's something that you are listening to God breathe it out into your life right then, immediate, real time. So we've gone through the first two chapters of this and, and how He's warned us about these plausible arguments. And, and by the way, I mean, that certainly is the case with the world. But that's not who he was talking about. He's talking about the church. He's talking about, at that time, he's talking about Jewish religion, Jewish traditions. But it can be applied to today. It can be applied to falling into this category of, yeah, I go to church, you know, I'm a Christian, by label, I, I, I love God and, you know, I spend time with him on Sunday mornings. And then, you know, the occasional midweek. And then if there's a youth group event, I do that too. But it's really more about checking those things off so I can feel a good, good about that part of my life. He, he warns against that. He said those are plausible arguments that make you feel good, but they, they hold no weight. They hold no weight. So now we come down to chapter 3, which is literally the, the, the climax of this entire letter. And let's begin reading at verse 1. By the way, can everybody hear me? Okay. If then you have been raised with Christ... 
Okay, the picture of that is Christ being raised from the dead, going to the right hand of the Father. When we accept him into our heart, we are brought with him. We are taken in his bosom. The, the Bible talks about that we are in Jesus' hands, in the center of his palms, and then he is in the center of the Father's palms. That's the picture that this, this resurrection gives. So if you have been raised with Jesus Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is. He's seated at the right hand of God. Seek those things up there. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. Then he tells you why. Because you've died to that already. Your life, when you accepted Jesus Christ into your heart, became hidden in Christ, who then is in God. Do you see the pattern here? By the way, that's the pattern of relationship. We talk about relationship with God all the time. Literally, the pattern of relationship is your relationship is with the Father through Jesus Christ, facilitated by the Holy Spirit. I love how God just includes all three. Now, because Christ is in God, the Father, Father is in Christ, and the Holy Spirit is in both. Your relationship, technically then, is with the Trinity. It's not, well, you know what, I kind of hang out with Jesus more because he understands me and he's cool and we'll just be with him. You know, the Father's a little scary. <laughs> All right, I, I get that. But in reality, your relationship is with them all. It's, it's kind of the picture of a church here, right? Our relationship is not just with one or the other. It's not supposed to be. Our relationships are supposed to be with everybody. That's one of the things I, I, I brag, if you can, in a good way, I guess, in a holy way. <laughs> I brag on this church all the time. Because literally when you read the Church of Acts and, and, and you you see that it was families, it was young, it was old, it was all in between, and they were interacting together. There, were, there was no segregation. There was no uh, elimination because of age or elimination because of, well, they're, they're only this far with God, so they don't get to you know, come into this level. It, it, none of that's here. It's family. And I think the Lord loves that. And that's the picture of what he is saying in this relationship. So he says, you've died from what you used to be. Your life is hidden in Christ now, who is in God. When Christ, verse 4, when Christ, who is your life, get that. Man, highlight that, highlight that in your Bible if you haven't. When Christ, who is your life, is he your life? He's supposed to be your life. When he appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. By the way, anybody know when Christ is going to appear? Any thoughts? Soon? Yeah, thanks. That's good. Yeah, soon. No, it's, it's when he comes back to earth. Remember, Jesus Christ and, and the, the, the promises to Israel, they are not finished. Right, Jesus will come back. He will rule on this earth in Dave, on David's throne in Jerusalem. That's what he's talking about. When he appears, okay, when he appears back on this earth, we will appear with him in glory, in our glorified bodies, as Jesus had when he 
when he was uh, raised from the dead. Verse 5. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. What does that mean? First of all, let, let's, let's talk about what these things are. He said, put to death. Now, I find this interesting because he says, put to death. He's telling them, put to death. Therefore, what is earthly in you? I, I, this is where I have a hard time with, with these, these pastors that preach hyper grace. Because, see, if everything was done in your earthly lives when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, Savior, there would be no sin. But all of us know, after salvation, there's sin. There's still choice. We still make choice. Our spirit is sealed. And we've talked about this before. The three type, There are three phases, if you will, of salvation. Our spirit is sealed when we accept Jesus Christ into our heart. We're sealed. Man, Satan can't do a thing with our spirit. Because the Holy Spirit comes in and he is with our spirit and he seals and protects our spirit. Because your body doesn't go on, your mind will be changed, but your spirit is what lives on after death. Your spirit is what moves on, right? Your body certainly doesn't and that changes. So, so your spirit is sealed. However, your will, your mind, the Bible calls it your soul. Okay, when, when you see the soul, it's talking about the mind, who you are as a, as a person, the choices that you make. Those have to change as well. They don't change on a dime when, when you accept Jesus Christ into your heart. Now, your ability to change does. Because when you accept Jesus, all of a sudden you have something open to you that's never been opened before. You have this door of relationship that's never been opened before. You have the forgiveness from the Father that you never had before. Because, see, the Father sees us as righteous. That's why our relationship is through Jesus Christ with the Father. Because he looks through that relationship of Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ lens, and he sees us as perfect. He does, praise God, he doesn't look at us outside of Jesus Christ. We're covered. That's what it means to be covered by the blood. When the Bible, Bible says, are you covered by the blood, or that, that, I don't even remember the hymn, you know, covered by the blood of the Lamb. Right? When you're covered by the blood of the Lamb, it's literally putting a lens on your life that God sees through, so he sees Jesus Christ's righteousness in you. But that doesn't change the fact that we can sin. So I find it interesting here. Paul is talking to Christians. He's talking to people who are saved. And he says to them, put to death what is earthly in you. Not, it's already dead, so don't worry about it. You can't sin now, so don't worry about it. It's not what he said. He says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Why? Because he wants to be close to you. Do you understand that, that as we draw closer and closer to Jesus Christ, there is only one thing that keeps us 
from building that relationship. And that's known sin. That's sin that we do by choice. That's different. That's different than something we did and didn't even realize we did. Which, which, by the way, we do all the time. I mean, you could offend somebody and not know it. You, you could say something stupid. You could do something stupid. You know, whatever. You, you could do things all the time that you're not aware of. Okay, that's why when we ask forgiveness, you know, we still have to ask, even if we can't think of anything, God, just like David said in the Psalms, God, show me. Show me if there is anything that I've done to offend. Show me if there's anything that I've done that has offended you. So I can ask forgiveness for it. And, and we can do that. But what he's talking about here are choices. These are when we choose to sin. So he's saying, put to death those things. And, and, and by the way, this is probably not an inclusive list. <laughs> okay, but it encompasses most of it. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, which passion, by the way, uh, I won't get into it, but if, if you want to, uh, want to do a little bit more research on that, you could go to Romans chapter 1, verses 24, I want to say through 28. Okay, it's 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 talking about out of the ordinary passions. It's talking about homosexual passions there. Okay, these these trending thoughts of things that go against God. Evil desires, covetousness, which is idolatry on account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. What does that mean, that he's coming because we're doing these things? No, because the world outside of salvation has to be judged. The law requires it. Righteousness requires it. It's not that that God wants to judge. There is a righteousness about him that the law says must be judged. That's why when we accept Jesus Christ into our our heart, we, we kind of... I don't want to say we sidestep that, that judgment, but what we do is we're put, put behind that lens. So that judgment does not affect us in terms of heaven or hell. But he says on the account of these things, on the account of all the ways that the law has been broken, the wrath of God is coming. I find that word wrath interesting. And, and, and again, this isn't, I'm not, you, you could spend a whole hour just going over what that word really means. But the wrath of God is what produces righteousness. That's why no man or woman could ever do it. That's why Jesus Christ is the Son of God had to come and become a man. Because it was only him that could live a righteous life as a man. As a human being. Because the law required it, right? Verse 7. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. And he lists some more. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Now, the first list were specific things that people would do. Probably, I'm sure, 
specific things that he had heard of from this church. But then the second thing, if you're not hit with that first thing, you're hit with the second one. Because the second one is how we operate as people. By a showing of hands, let me see anybody who has never been angry. Raise your hand. (laughs) One. That's awesome. You know, it makes me mad that... No, I'm kidding. Right? I mean, everybody experiences some of these other feelings. Right? Anger, wrath, malice, slander. How many have been involved in gossip? Okay, again, we could raise our hand. Everybody's done this. Um, Obscene talk from your mouth. You know, if you want some follow-up on that, read James. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge. Now, I find this interesting as well. Because in being renewed in knowledge, let me get my fingers working here. What this is talking about, that word, epinosis in the Greek, that word means full discernment. Okay, knowledge is not something that you just, okay, I need the information. Give me the information. I got the information. Everything's good. Oftentimes we do that in the word of God. You know, give me the ten points that I need to live by and I'm good. Instead of really understanding what those are and how they're applied. What he's saying here is you've put on your new self, which is being renewed in full discernment. As you grow in relationship to Jesus Christ, one of the things you can expect And one of the things that you pray for and ask for and work in is growing in discernment in that relationship. And literally, Lord, just give me discernment on the things that keep me from you. Because so many of them I may not recognize. So many of them I don't see. But as you grow in that knowledge, as you grow in that discernment, you will see them. You will see it. That's what drawing close in relationship is. If, if you've ever had a, a long-term relationship, whether, whether if it's you're married or, or even a family dynamic with a mom or a dad, you know that over time you learn each other, okay? especially a, a spouse relationship. Over time, you learn each other. You learn the different things that are hot buttons, Okay, you ever hear the the phrase, yeah, they really know how to push my buttons. Okay, there's no one other than your spouse that knows how to push your buttons more than anybody else. Why? (laughs) I I heard that, amen. (laughs) Why, Why is that? Why is that? It's because we grow in relationship and we learn those things through repetition. We learn those things that that bother our spouses, okay? And by the way, you can use that information for good and you can use that information for evil. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'm just going to push that button today. Just ding, 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 ding. <laughs> so we have choices. But it doesn't mean that we don't learn that in relationship, because we do. We learn that in relationship. Why would we think it's any different with Jesus Christ? The only difference is you can't push his buttons. 
right? You can push your own button, (laughs) even without realizing it. You can't push his buttons, but you still learn. You still learn in relationship with him what hurts him. And what hurts him are these things that we've, we've listed here. Now, I, I want to go, go back and I want to make a point. Before we get into what he, what he says we're, we're to put on, I want to make a point of something here because oftentimes we think if someone else doesn't see it, it didn't happen. Okay, we think that if we could keep something hidden, then, well, I'm, I'm okay with that, because it doesn't hurt my testimony, right? That thought process is not based in relationship. Because if, that, if you have a thought process based in relationship, you know he sees everything. You know nothing can be hidden. But... To me, there's two levels of this that I, that I really want to get a hold of. Because on the first level, we hide things that we can hide from the world. We feel okay about it. Guys especially, man, we're good at, at uh, just putting it into categories that we can ignore. Okay, well, this one is, is in, I just put it in this room. I shut the door and only access it when I want to. And then nobody sees it. You know, pornography is like that. Pornography is something that is not a group effort, right? You're by yourself. And when you do that, you can feel like you're hiding yourself. You know, okay, you know you can't hide yourself from God, but, but it's, I know he'll forgive me and, and just, God, just ignore me for right now. I, I, we play these things in our mind like, well, we'll be okay. Okay, but this is a huge problem. This is a huge problem all over the United States, and not just pornography. That, that, that's, that's one of them, but, I mean, so many things that we keep hidden like that. And we think that that does not affect our relationship with God, or, or what's even tougher, you come to a place where you recognize that it does, and you don't know how to deal with it. You don't know how to move on from it. You don't know how to get out of it. And that's what we're going to talk about here in a minute. But, but again, there, there were two levels of that. The one level is hiding this, or we think we're hiding this sin. And nobody sees it because, you know, we could keep it hidden. That's the first level. But I think the one that is the most dangerous, honestly, is the one where we lie to ourselves. And what I mean by that is when we see something in our minds, and and we have a temptation in our minds, and as long as we can keep it in our minds and have no action to it, then we feel that, well, that's just human. Okay, do you understand that's how sin starts? Do you understand that's how strongholds begin? See, when we have a thought about something, if we entertain that thought... Jesus said it's no different than doing the act. Now, what, is that, what does he mean by that? Of course there's a difference. I remember growing up thinking, wait a second. Of course there's a difference because if I do that in my mind, I can't have a pregnancy come from it. But if that's in the physical, I can. So of course there's a difference. I don't even know what that passage means. That doesn't even make sense to me. 
But see, Jesus is coming from a different perspective. He's coming from your heart perspective. He's coming from the health of who you are, the health of your relationship with him. That's the perspective he's coming from. Because there's no difference when you give any kind of thought, any kind of credence to a thought coming into your mind. You give it any time at all. What happens? You give authority. You give authority. It may not be something that you're doing in the physical, but you are giving authority to it to the enemy. It's kind of like opening up those doors. Just saying, come on in, it's okay. And you don't realize where it's going to take you. How many times do these addictive things lead to something that is a stronghold? You know, pornography is obviously one. Drugs are another. You know, drug, drugs are such a, a good physical picture of what something seemingly unimportant becomes when it becomes a stronghold. Well, it's just, I'll just try it once. You know, I'll just, I'll just do this because it's the cool thing to do and you know, it doesn't mess up anything, whatever. But what happens is you open that door. Even by thinking about it, you open that door for the enemy to come in and just start whispering to you constantly. Just try it. Just try it. Well, I've entertained it in my mind already. When I've played it out in my mind, now the enemy has authority to keep on me to just try it. Just take it to the physical. It, it, just, just, a, just smoke a little weed. It's no big deal. I mean, it's legal in half the states now. Come on. Okay, but what he's doing is he's trying to get you to take it from your thought process which is just as important, if not more, into the physical process. Understand, your physical processes will follow your mental thought processes. As much as you want to try and categorize those things, and, well, I just keep this over here so it doesn't bother me or anybody else, it does. Because it will affect your mind first, then it will manifest itself in the physical. Why? Because we're giving authority. We give authority to the enemy in those things. Now, by the way, it, it, you might be sitting there and saying, well, yeah, but those aren't my problems. You know, I, I don't do pornography. I, I, I'm certainly not strung out on drugs. You know, I don't do this. I don't do that. Let's talk about something simple. How about gossip? How many times do we entertain gossip in our minds? I, I won't tell anybody about it, but you know what? I am just going to think about how rotten that person is. About what they did to so-and-so or what they did to me. I'm going to think about this because it irritates me. See, by doing that, you entertain that thought and you give, you hand over credence to the enemy to come after you. Jesus said it's no different. What you do in your mind is no different than what you do in, in the physical. He's talking about the effects of it. He's talking about the effects on your relationship with him. It's no different. You may not let that gossip come out of your mouth at first, but it's no different. 
It's going to pull you down that road of looking at somebody through a lens they should not be looked at in. That they don't deserve, but you placed it on them. Whether you think they deserve it or not. I mean, I suppose technically we all deserve it. We all offend. But do you see, even something simple like that, if we keep our minds fixed on things above, then what it does, instead of giving authority to the enemy, what it does is it starts building these blocks of a wall between you and the enemy to where it's not the same temptation anymore. See, don't think that there is not a healing or a victory available when something's a stronghold. I've met dozens of people that I've talked to that were alcoholics and broke that in their lives. God broke that in their lives. That, that's another one that's a tough one because there, there are things that also become physical addictions. But really, everything that we give authority to can become a mental addiction. And it affects your relationship with Jesus Christ the same way. It becomes this roadblock. So what does he want us to do? Let's keep reading. Now, now remember, it says you put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge. Okay? Renewed in this understanding of who he is. Not, not just a list of what we know, but in who he is and the relationship that that encompasses. Okay, verse 11. Here, on this earth, in this life, there's not Greek and Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, which was the difference between the Gentile and the Jew back then. Barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Now, what does that mean? Because uh, so many theologians just really run with it, and, and I won't even say theologians, so many pastors run with this verse and, and they bring into this verse that, well, under God, everything is the same. Everything is okay. Everything is equal. And I'm sorry, that's a bunch of hooey. All right? I almost said the C word. Right? That's just a bunch of baloney. It's not the case. Okay? Because what's he saying here? What he's saying is everybody who accepts Jesus Christ is on a level playing field with him to begin with. We all start at the same place. We all start at the place where we are covered by his blood. And he says, come unto me. Look, look at where I'm seated. Right? Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. Keep our eyes up on Him instead of what's going on down here, what's going on around us, where Satan has already been given the power. He's the prince and power of the air. He's been given authority of this second heaven that is all around us. So why in the world would we keep our eyes here where He has authority, where He has power? That's what Paul's saying here. So he's saying we're all the same in terms of our capability for relationship with Jesus Christ. We're all the same. 
That's why he used the difference of Greek and Jew. Remember, he's talking at a time just after Jesus Christ, you know, died and rose from the grave. He's talking at a time where there was this huge fight between Jews, traditional Jews, and Messianic Jews. Okay? That's, that's what's going on here. So he uses those examples. Not Greek, not Jew, not circumcised, uncircumcised, not bar- barbarian, not Scythian, not slave-free. You know, we like to categorize these things. You know, we don't have slaves today, but we still treat people differently. Well, you know, you're just a normal worker. You're not a manager yet, so... You use that room. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I mean, we just, we just separate everything. And, and what God's saying here is we all have the same possibility. We all have the same thing that we can grow in relationship with him. So verse 12, he says, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, Meekness, patience. Can we take that one out? Let's just skip that one here. So meekness, bearing with one. No, we can't. Why? Because patience is how you learn to put up with everybody. Right? Patience is how you learn to give time to learn other people that are not like you. If you don't have patience, you will only have friends that are like you. And by the way, you're going to have a very boring time, right? You have to have patience to be able to let them in a little bit and them let you in. By by the way, as tough as it is to have patience for other people, flip that around. How tough is it for them to have patience with you? Yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's one way to look at it, right? Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, take them to court, flush it out, take them out to the whipping post, get your joy out of whipping them. No, does it say that? No, I, I don't think it says that, does it? Forgiving each other. Ooh. Okay, that's another tough one right there. All right, that's two that we want to take out of this. We, 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 Lord, we just need to take two things out. I think we're, we're good with the rest. Yeah, we're good with as the Lord forgave you. Yeah, that, that one I'm good with. Okay, and that, so, so you must also forgive. So, so we got three phrases here that were, were a little bit tough. It's a package, folks. It's a package. You want relationship with Jesus Christ. You have to learn to be like Jesus Christ. And I don't know if your friends don't require forgiveness. If they do, you probably don't have many friends. <laughs> if, if, if you don't need to forgive friends, then you're probably, I don't know, maybe you're internet buddies. <laughs> and you just delete what you don't like. It doesn't work that way in relationship. In relationship, there's forgiveness. So again, God's chosen one, holy, beloved, compassionate hearts. Put these on. Compassionate hearts. What does that mean? That means looking, looking at somebody and seeing, that they're, seeing the importance of who they are. I take compassion on somebody because I see through a lens with Jesus Christ. I see through his eyes. 
If you don't put on his eyes, if you don't see other people how he sees them, you couldn't possibly have compassionate heart. Your, your heart will just be compassionate toward those who are easy. Maybe those who you like. Those who, you know, they don't push your buttons. <laughs> right? Put on compassionate heart. And by the way, God's not saying this is easy. You know, don't, don't sit there and feel bad like, I can't do this, this is hard, and I don't know how to, I must be a lousy Christian. First of all, if you think it's easy, I, I really need to pick your brain because I haven't figured out that it's easy at all. Right? You put on a compassionate heart. You learn to see people through Jesus' eyes, and he begins to show you what they need more than what you need. And what that does is that, that brings that relationship into a balance that becomes extraordinary. It really, really does. Kindness. Humility. That's a, all these are tough, really. Humility is a tough one, especially in America, because we're supposed to be great. You know, in America, it's all, it's all about having the competitive edge, all about having the best marketing plan to, to produce the best product, to, to get the best company out there, right? It's all about being better. You know, and now I'll, I'll work with people and we'll be a team that's better. Okay. Now, now, by the way, I'm, I'm not saying anything against that because, you know, when, when I go out into the competitive world, I want to be the best, best that I can be. And, and by the way, you're supposed to be. Jesus is sending people into the seven mountains, all, all of the areas of influence throughout the world, and he wants you to be the best. Right, if you're going to be a politician, be the best politician. If you're going to be a businessman, be the best businessman. Take every competitive edge that you can without breaking these other things. See, oftentimes we don't think that it can be done without, you know, well, how, how in the world can I be the best and still be humble? Trust me, there's a way. Because now you're not doing it yourself. You're recognizing that Jesus is doing it through you. The humility is recognizing he's the one doing it, not you. Bearing with one another, if one has a complaint, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Verse 14, above all, the number one, the biggest thing, if you get nothing else, he says, if, 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 if you have to start with only one thing because the others are just too encompassing for you, he said, above all, put on love. Because that's what binds everything together in perfect harmony. See, if you begin with love, then some of these other things over time, they're going to come easier. Why? Because he said love binds it. See, if you're beginning with love, if you're showing love to people and you're pouring yourself out in real love, I, I don't mean this fake thing, how you doing, brother? Yeah, we kind of see you know, That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about real care. I'm talking about seeing people as Jesus sees people, right? When you start with this real love, then those ones that are going to be tough, they're bound together in that love. So all of a sudden, they start getting pulled into who you are as a person. 
If you love and you pour out that love and, and maybe, maybe you had a, a difficulty with, with forgiveness. Well, when you love and you're really doing everything you can to understand love in that relationship, what it does is it starts to teach you. Why? Because who is love? Jesus Christ is love. And so that very love begins to teach you how to be humble, teach you how to be forgiving, teach you that you don't have to be offended when somebody says something about you. Is it true? If it's not true, then why, why worry about it? Why worry about what somebody says something about you if it's not true? Now, if it's true, that's a different story. If it's true, if somebody calls you a gossip and a liar and it's true, okay, well then deal with that. But if it's not true, who you are in your relationship with the Lord will build confidence in you. It builds this confidence to know, I know what he thinks of me. And I know what I am with him. And it, it may break my heart that a person thinks that about me. But it doesn't change the fact that I cannot love, that I, that I still have to, have to react to them in love. I'll tell you, this, this is, this has been something that has put Alex and I to the test in very, very heavy ways over the last three years. Right? When, when things are being told about us that aren't true. But, you know, our responsibility is not to set the record straight. Our responsibility, it doesn't say that here. It doesn't say if somebody's lying about you, go set them straight. It says forgive. Because the truth will reveal itself. Because God is the truth. It says that Jesus Christ is the truth. The truth will set you free. Why? Because when we live in truth... We don't accept the lies of other people. If, if I'm living in truth, I can't be hurt by what somebody thinks of me. And, and by the way, I understand there are levels of that that, that are more difficult than, than others. You know, it's, it's a different thing when you have a, a sometimes friend that you hardly ever see says something about you, says a lie about you. It's very different when it's your mom or dad. It's very different when it's, it's someone close to you. But it doesn't change your reaction. You still have to react in love, regardless. Because love and the truth is what sets you free. It may not set them free, because they have to be the one to take on that truth and take on that love. But it sets you free. It's about your relationship. So above all, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Verse 15. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Now let, let's go back to the first part of that, of 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Which, by the way, what produces peace? All these other things. It's that relationship. You know, if you want to further study on that, go back to, to the podcast we did on Ephesians 6. 
Stepping in the shoes of peace. When you walk in peace, it's because you are operating in these other things. You're operating in love. You're operating in truth. You're operating in compassion. You're operating in these ways that, that literally allow Jesus Christ to operate through you. When you can do that, then you have this peace that doesn't make sense. In stepping places, then God can tell you to step a place that you know he's telling you to step, and it doesn't make sense to step there, but I have perfect peace in stepping there. So he says, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. See, we're not, we're not called to be by ourselves. We're called to be in relationship together. And by, by the way, he's talking to the whole bride here. He's not just talking to one person, one family, or one church. He's talking to the whole bride. We're supposed to be called to one body. And be thankful. Sentence all by itself. And be thankful. Be thankful for what God does for you. As he starts to produce all of this in you, be thankful for it. Be thankful when he gives you a compassionate heart for somebody you would not normally have compassion for. You know, be thankful when, when in your life you see things change to where now you're forgiving instead of fighting. Be thankful. Why? Because that's what brings this peace on. That's what brings on this, this one in body. Verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching, admonishing one another in all wisdom. Okay, this is important. If I could get my finger to work here. Admonishing each other in all wisdom. Now, that word wisdom there is, is again about discernment. It's discerning truth. Okay, but let the word of God dwell in us richly. So when it dwells in us richly, we can teach each other. Okay, not that you you just come here on Sunday and I teach you. Okay, we teach each other. Iron sharpens iron. It says admonishing one another in all wisdom, in all discernment. That, that word admonishing is nothateo, which is to put in mind, okay, or to reprove gently, to give warning to, right? You're, you're, you're caring enough for other people that you're in relationship with that when you see something, or perhaps the Lord lays on your heart, you go and you... Gently warn. You gently talk to them about it. It's not for the purpose of one up. <laughs> okay, I got this on this person. I'm going to go tell them so I can, I can get my little hierarchy like I'm here and they're here. Okay, that, that may be the worldly way. That's not the Christian way. See, because if, if in reality, if your understanding is here and someone's here, why would you want to make that the highlight when Jesus wants us all right there. We're to be in unity. 
We're to be together. So, so to go and warn them or admonish them in a kind way. The, the best picture of this is really children with parents in, in, a, in a healthy way. And isn't that exactly what the Father does with us? You know, it says that, that Jesus is the vine, we're the branch, but the Father is the pruner. The Father is the one who prunes each of us to bring about more fruit. So, in doing all of this, we're admonishing each other, we're doing it in love. Everything is wrapped in this love. But then he goes on, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now, by the way, this is, this is something to really be careful of. Because some preachers will look at that and say, if I put the name label on what I am preaching, the name of the Lord label, then, then that makes it okay. Okay, what he's saying here, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord. What he's saying is don't put the Lord's name on what you do. Make what you do be in the Lord's name. Huge difference. Huge difference. It means what you're doing, you are going to make sure that that's what he would do. Because then you could apply his name. See, when it says in, in the Ten Commandments, when it talks about don't take the Lord's name in vain, that's really what it's talking about. And we, we won't rabbit trail there, but, but that's what it's talking about. It is, it is laying claim to what something means and saying that that's what it means when the Lord says that. The Lord's saying this, you better be really careful doing that. You better be really sure that that is what he says. He's saying it's fine to do that, if it is truly what he says, because you're responsible for that. If you say, and this even goes into prophecy, this is something to be, be very careful of. If you feel like you have a word from the Lord and, and you go and if you have this prophetic gift and you give it to somebody and you say, the Lord said, you better be sure. You better be sure because if you're not sure, you are taking his name in vain. You are applying a mistruth to his name. And, and by the way, a, a, a good way to do that, you'll, you'll, when you talk to me, you'll hear me say it different ways. Because there are times that I'm, I'm completely sure. But then if I'm not sure, I'll always say, I feel the Lord told me. <laughs> you, you, you just kind of put these words in there that, that, well, you know, I believe the Lord said this. But it's, it's on your responsibility to flush it out. Okay? But there are times that the Lord does. He is very specific. And what Paul's saying here is don't attach the Lord's name to it if it's not truth. Don't push your agenda by saying the Lord if it's not the Lord's agenda. And wow, wow, does the church do that? I mean, I, I grew up in churches that did that. Many of us grew up in legalistic churches that, that they put 
put the Lord's name label on something that had nothing to do with what the Lord was doing. And there's a price to be paid for that. There's a huge price to be paid. We're going to close there. I, I thought that maybe I'd try and finish, but there's a whole different thought for next week. So It's really important to understand that in building relationship with him, it's not just managing what you do physically. And, and I, I speak so heavily to young people in this. Because as you're learning relationships, as you're learning who you are, be careful not to separate what you do in your mind to what you think you don't do in the physical. Because that's where the enemy builds his stronghold. Because to Jesus, it's no different. Remember, your, your relationship with Jesus isn't in the physical because he's at the right hand of Father. You know, it'd be awesome if, if like right now I could be like I dream of Jeannie Clink and now I'm up with Jesus. Okay, but that's, yeah, see, that was fun. <laughs> that's not the case. We can't do that. Right? We have to live this life in faith. So it, it, it is all what is encompassed through our mind and who we are. So hold dear Hold dear in your life the thoughts that you have. Hold dear even the random thoughts. And, and I'll tell you, <laughs> you know, the, the more you build relationship, the easier that does get. And not, not that Satan doesn't come in and still do random thoughts, but the way to repel that does get easier. It does. Because you, you start to recognize when Satan does that. I, I know it's just crazy sometimes, even now, with, with my relationship with Jesus. You know, even in learning the gifts, it's, it's harder actually to figure out what my thoughts are versus the enemies. Okay, if, if the Lord tells me something, or I feel he tells me something, it's one of three things. It's God, it's Satan, or it's me. Right? It's one of those. You begin to build a relationship with Jesus Christ, you'll be able to discern between God and Satan easy. You'll be able to tell, yeah, that's Satan. Cut that off. Okay, the harder one to discern is between you and Jesus. And the reason why, it, by the way, that's a very natural thing. That's a very natural thing because God said that we are to become like him. So, so as you start learning his voice and, and it's getting harder and harder to discern between his and yours, don't think of that necessarily as a negative thing because we're to become like him in our thought patterns in who we are. But it, it, the nice thing about that is it makes recognizing the enemy really easy. I'm going to share just one thing in closing, which I, I've been asking the Lord if I should share it, but he, he said, yeah, it, it'll probably bring a laugh. But, but 
you know, one of the, yeah, one of the things, that, you know, we deal with these random thoughts, and we're supposed to take all thoughts captive, right? But it doesn't keep Satan from putting a random thought in your head. And, and even a systematic attack. Now, I, I used to think that I was the only one like this, okay? But, but now I understand that there are other people that deal with this, where, where, where Satan will put a thought in my head, and it, it's doing the most outrageous thing in the world. Like, it, it, let me give you an example. Driving down the road, and, and by the way, I'm a good driver, okay? You don't need to worry after you hear this story. But driving down the road and you see a car coming, uh, that there are times where it will immediately flash in my mind, turn the wheel. Just turn the wheel into the car. Oh, that's whacked. Okay, that's whacked. If I give credence to that thought process, as whacked as it is, it can be a problem. And, and I'm telling you, there have been times when, when I didn't know how to fight that, and, and by the way, it's okay for the kids to ride with me. It, it, <laughs> there's no problem. All right, but, but there, there have literally been times where I've had to let go of the wheel. You know? And, and, and I'm saying this because there's probably some people in here that are identifying with this. Okay? Does, does that mean that, that my walk with the Lord is, is, is tainted and there's some problem? No. Understand that you will be in attack all the time. But you can recognize that. What I've learned is immediately, get out of my head. You have no, no authority being there. Get out in Jesus' name. Boom, gone. See, but you have to recognize these things without giving them credence. If you, if you think, I don't know why I keep thinking of that. and I, you know, I don't know why I do this. And If you try to figure that out humanly, man, you're giving credence to it. You're giving the enemy, just, just keep trying it, keep trying it, keep trying it. Now, now, I know my example was an extreme. Okay? Please don't anybody drive into head-on traffic. It's the same way when I'm at heights. You know, I'm afraid of heights, but it's not because I'm afraid of heights. I'm afraid because I want to jump. And, and again, I thought I was whacked growing up, and, and apparently that's an actual thing, <laughs> I guess. Okay? Still whacked. Still whacked, yes. Still whacked. But bottom line is don't give credence to it. If you recognize as you develop a relationship with Jesus Christ, he, the closer you get to him, the more you recognize what the enemy's doing. It becomes blatantly obvious. Shut it down immediately. Yes. When you have, say, if you had a, 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 a problem with pornography or you had a problem with lying or you had a problem with gossip. You have these things pop into your mind when you see an opportunity. Do not think about it. You need to react quickly and get it out. Don't give Satan any kind of authority in that. Because if you do, it will be this perpetuating problem where you get victory, you lose victory. You get victory again, you lose victory. And it becomes this roller coaster. That, that was never intended in your life. It never was. So the moment that comes in, don't give it any thought. You hear somebody talking to you, it, maybe somebody's gossiping to you. In a kind way, with a kind heart, shut it down. You don't have to receive that. 
You also don't have to be judgmental and say, well, I can't believe you would tell me that and blah, blah, blah. blah. Now you're kind of having your own problem. Just say, hey, how how about we don't, Let's pray for them. Oh, that's a great way to do it. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, okay, let's pray. That's a great way to shut down gossip, especially if somebody's not saved. <laughs> They're talking, hey, let's pray for them. What? You know. But don't take it lightly. Shut down what the enemy's trying to do in your life because I'll guarantee you he is trying to knock you off of course in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Don't let him. Because you don't have to let him. He has no authority to do that. He's literally trying to gain authority. That's all. (coughs) Let's bow our heads. Father in heaven, we worship you, we praise you, we thank you. And God, this this book has just been amazing. And I'm so thankful for it because it hits us right where we are. Our desire, Lord, is relationship with you. Our desire is to peel away the religious thought process. Peel away everything that, that is, looks good on the outside, but is really, truly fake. Oh, Lord. What I prayed years ago to be involved in a church like the Church of Acts... I'm just so thankful, God, that you're revealing that pathway. That that pathway is in relationship with you and in relationship with each other. Literally, what we just read in Colossians 3, if we have our mind fixed on you and we allow those attributes to come through in our relationship, you are giving us the Church of Acts. I thank you, God, for that. I pray for each one here, wherever they're at in their relationship with you. God, in all the things we talked about this morning, I'm sure there were points that hit home to different people. Different people struggling with thoughts. (coughs) Struggling with perhaps even actions to those thoughts. Oh Lord, you love them so much. Lord, I just pray that you flood your love over their life for them to realize they don't have to be encumbered by that. But there is freedom in your truth. Even those online, Lord, so many online that that watch this, so many that I don't know online and and they're dealing with some of these things. Lord, there's, there's perhaps people watching online that are dealing with some real dark, dark areas. There's freedom in your truth. There's freedom in that relationship with you. There's authority to shut the enemy down at the very base stage of where he wants to work. Oh God, just bring us to a place of intimacy with you. And that's a process. And the first process is being able to discern or distinguish your voice from the enemy's. 
I thank you for everyone here and all those online. Lord, each one is so precious to you. And we're precious to each other. God, I thank you for that. I love you. In Jesus' name, amen. I really was not going to come up to, to this morning because I was not feeling well at all. Um, everything has been a surprise to me since Sunday school because I wasn't even sure I'd make it through the service. Um, but the Lord just landed something so heavy on me. I have to say this. So just hear me out for a second. Um, Colossians, one of the things that the strongholds that we have are introduced. You know, Satan is such an introducer. We grew up in legalism, and the last thing you want to do is um, obey legalism. So I remember thinking there's the list of what we couldn't do was so long. And yet when I got into relationship with the Lord, I've been amazed at the things that I've given up and the things that I've let go of and even the shows that I gave up and different things that I gave up because I started to see through the lens of what Greg was talking about this morning. When we're not careful, you know, some of us that have grown up in church have maybe heard the song, oh, be careful little eyes what you see. Be careful little ears what you hear. I was, and, and this was a mistake that I made, I was, I was watching, uh, uh, checking out a couple of trailers to movies, and I will not tell you which one, but as I scanned through in my tiredness and not thinking, a, a quick question came up that asked me if I was 18 or older, and I never... I don't even know why I didn't, I didn't think about it. This is a tra- you know, because every trailer I've ever seen is rated for all general audiences. And so I just clicked yes, and then the trailer of the movie started. In just whatever it was, two and a half minute trailer, what was introduced into my mind, I had to bring before the Lord and confess, because it's something that would not have even been in the scope of my thinking except that my eye gate took it into my mind and now it was inside of my being. You know what I'm saying? So if you are not careful, I mean, I know, believe me, some of you can't even appreciate it if you've not been delivered out of you know, strictness or legalism. There is that feeling that comes over Christians sometimes that's just kind of like, I just want a break. I just want to be able to relax and just go and do something. We haven't been to a movie in forever. You know, it's like, we should be able to go to a movie. Sometimes there is nothing for you to watch. And that desire to feel good cannot supersede you using the discipline of being careful little eyes what you see. There is more not only demonic but sexualized stuff coming out that it's not just about, oh, you know, don't do this, don't do that. It's like, um, you know, when scripture says if your hand offends you, cut it off. You know, in soldiers in the war, when they would start to see that, that gangrene was going to set in, they're better off without their leg than for that poison to flood their entire body and kill them. And that's the way we need to look at some things. Ask the Lord, say, and it's not going to be the same for all of us. There, there are liberties that some Christians can have that other Christians can't have because of the stronghold. If you are healing from a stronghold, if you're trying to get delivered from a particular stronghold, you know, there are some cases, I knew of one person, I thought this was really extreme, but then when I learned what he was dealing with, he couldn't have a television in his house. Now, that's pretty tough. That's pretty unheard of now, especially when we have it on our phones. But in his case, he was like, you know, I'm battling through something, and I don't have the ability to, you know, to protect myself. You know, some people need to put um, different blocks on their computers and things like that. 
Put precautions in place. Because, you know, a child, I was thinking about her sweet little voice. A child would crawl over to a big garbage dump at the back of a restaurant where there's just food, you know, in there and, and see something and eat it. And a reasonable adult would say, oh, honey, no, no, don't touch that. Oh, my goodness, you'll get sick. Oh, that's terrible. But they don't know any better. They're just eating garbage. And what you've heard today makes you accountable. You now know that if you take that in, oh, my goodness, don't touch that, dear. That's going to make you sick. You don't want to eat that. You don't want to watch that. You don't want to take that in. Because you now know that what you take into the eye gate is a suggestion from the enemy. And you know, some of you know this. Some of you know sitting here right now, it took one suggestion for you to be introduced to thoughts that have plagued you ever since. Whether it's darkness, demonic, sexual, depression, you name it, whatever. Maybe even the lust to spend money. I mean, you know, it could be anything. Satan knows how to customize our temptations. So just be careful, and don't ever come from a place of lack, because whatever we cannot do, there's a thousand things we can do. Because the abundance and the fullness of God is not, he does not want us to be bummed out as Christians. i got to tell you what, the word party and partying has gotten a bad rap from the enemy. But as Christians, we ought to be able to party and have our own blessed, holy, great times. Because I I don't know, that people don't know that side of me. I don't think that's fun. (laughs) Anyway. So I, um, I just want to encourage you to be so careful because I know the hype of movies coming out, um, you know, for the summer. Every season there's a new thing of movies. And, and you don't understand the poison. Don't, uh, Revel, uh, 2 Corinthians 12.10, I believe, says, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he stand take heed lest he fall. Yeah. Be careful. You might think, oh, that's not going to bother me. Oh, that's not. I, that, those kind of things don't bother me. You don't know. Ask the Lord if it bothers you. Because you may be having a stronghold develop and you don't even know. Um, the only announcement that I want to make, and then Jeff's going to come forward, um, is the picnic. Uh, no, the, the, um, yeah, I got one. Peter needs oh, okay. And too. Peter, too. Oh, we have extra ones. Um, the, there is going to be the, um, the picnic slash cookout that we're going to have in a couple of weeks. The sign-up will be out. And um, it is on the counter. It's going to be like a potluck cookout. So uh, there will be things that we would really appreciate you bringing, whether it be you know beverages, chips. Um, some of you have fantastic side dishes, dips, salads, things that you like to make that we've had before. Please sign up and bring something to that. And uh, we really want to have a great time of fellowship. So, Peter, I'm going to have you come first and then Jeff, okay? I just the date, sorry. We should 